Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. And I'm Jimmy. And this episode, we are talking about the season three episode, Being There. Buzz. <laughs> so as cheesy as it is, this episode's monster of the week is bees. All the bees are being there in a town completely filled with people who used to be bees. I like that little pun, being there. <laughs> oh, yeah, you can't get away from it. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like the fact that they're all bees. I feel like this episode really hits you over the head with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. In some ways, this episode feels more like a pseudoscience episode than a Monster of the Week type of episode. And it kind of seems reminiscent of Second Generation in that regard. Yeah, actually, I was uh, watching it. It reminded me of um, Rewind, uh, the whole thing with the mother and daughter at the end. But uh, that was just one thing. Yeah, and I guess, like, another monster would be, like, just the wish factor. The fact that, like, the queen made a choice on behalf of the entire hive, and none of them really appreciated that. But since she was the queen, they kind of went along with it. Yeah, it also kind of reminded me of a future episode. Um, Widows walk the whole wish-making factor, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is a really fun episode, but at the same time, it still kind of bothers me that there's no real solid explanation for exactly how this process works, for how we had an entire town of bees that wished they could be people because the queen wanted them to. Like, how did that happen? There's a, a really huge connection to Greek mythology and... Even the name Melissa was, like, the name of a nymph. And um, Hmm. I don't know, just from what I was reading, they were, like, really connected to the nymphs and Aphrodite and Zeus. And so I think maybe that could have had something to do with, like, them having or, like, the queen saying that she had this one chance, you know, to make her wish come true. I think it had something to do with, like, goddesses or gods or you know something like mythical yeah and and he brings up the greek mythology in the episode as well so that makes a lot of sense yeah but it is left i for the viewer to decide and i feel like this is one of those cases where that just kind of annoys me what happened here how did this come to be Mm-hmm. And how did yeah. they get to go back? How did she just make the decision, like, okay, we're going to be bees again, and then suddenly they are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the writing falls flat in the regard for how this process takes place on how they change from bees into humans, and then vice versa. But other than that, I think this is a pretty fun episode. Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to it, to be honest. But uh, yeah, it is fun, and it makes me laugh, which as we know, is something that I appreciate in the season three episodes. Mm-hmm. Most of them. <laughs> and how bright was their town? <laughs> All Very the bright but, colors. 
Also, I want to give a shout out to whoever chose the costume designs for this episode <laughs> because I really love that yellow shirt that Alex Johnson is wearing in this one. It looks so good on her. It matches her skin tone perfectly. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's my it's, favorite outfit of hers from the entire season. And it feels like one of her most iconic outfits for her season as well. Like when you look up pictures of her from this show, you tend to see that image from this episode. Yeah. But I've noticed, like, I see her a lot in that yellow shirt whenever I'm looking up the show and her season. Yeah, definitely, uh, they took it back kind of old school. It reminds me kind of like 30s or 40s kind of style of clothing and, and different occupations that people had in the town seem kind of like old school. Yeah. I guess since we're talking about the town... Uh, I realized while watching this episode that it was filmed at the same place where Halloween Town 2 was filmed. Um, really? Yes. The place where it was filmed was called Fantasy Gardens, which was an old amusement park, but unfortunately it's since been torn down, so you can't go there and see the place. I guess we should get into more of the plot of this one. So they arrive after... The bus runs through a, a swarm of bees, uh, so Ned has to pull off. It's another one of those situations where the bus almost crashes, <laughs> of course. Um, and then when they get off the bus, uh, they start to realize that there's something weird about where they've ended up. Um, well, Annie realizes there's something weird. Everybody else seems to be all like, whoa, what a fun town. Let's go exploring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Actually, speaking of Annie noticing something weird, why was she the only one who was able to hear the bee buzzes? I don't understand that either. Is it because (laughs) of her panther? But I don't know. Or maybe because Annie's supposed to be talented at everything, so she has super hearing in addition to the ability to talk (laughs) to sticks and make music out of everything. I like Jack's explanation that uh, driving the bus and, you know, traveling made all the blood rush to her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love the Jack-Annie dynamic in this episode. And yeah. I feel like this episode is one of the major reasons why I ship them. They're so cute, especially how Annie tries so hard to convince Jack that something weird's going on. Like, it's a totally different vibe than you had between Jack and Faye. Like, with Jack and Fee, you could tell it was a sibling dynamic with the playful teasing. But with Jack and Annie, it has a totally different dimension to it. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, They are very shippable in this episode. Yeah, like, they shouldn't be allowed on the bus by themselves. (laughs) Oh, goodness. (laughs) I noticed they always end up on the bus by themselves, like, just the two of them. And it's like, Molly, bad. Bad Molly. Especially since, I think it's... It is in this episode where there's this one scene towards the end where Annie has her head on Jack's shoulder and then she picks it up so you can only see it for like a split second, but it's a really cute moment. Aww. And did you guys notice like the little Carrie M- Molly thing the little at the Carrie end? Molly? No, there's a lot of Carrie Molly in this one. <laughs> Especially at the very end. I kind of wondered what you guys would think about the very end scene. Yeah. We don't even need to get to the very end before we start seeing the Molly Carrie. <laughs> As they pull into the town and they're just going off to go exploring, Molly makes this joke about the knight in shining armor and Carrie like opens his arms like, Yeah, I'm your man. Aw. See, I, I didn't, didn't catch that. 
Yeah, I didn't pick up on that because when I heard Knight in Shining Armor, I was like, Jack, the reincarnated knight. Like that's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, Jack. So I'm glad you're on this one, Kat, (laughs) because you needed to be here. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you. That actually wasn't me though. That was actually something that was on the original Molly Carey website that had Uh a whole list of episode hints. And Uh ever since I saw that website, I see it everywhere. <laughs> no longer watch this show without seeing all the different Molly Carrigans. So the town is called Hiveburg. Haha, <laughs> so like... original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have like a drawbridge and then the cast makes a comment that everybody looks very coordinated. And then of course, you know, like enter Loretta. Which I thought it was kind of interesting that she like drops all this stuff on the ground and all the bees like get around her and start picking everything up. But then whenever Carrie drops something, they just stare at it and like draw chalk around it. Like, was it because they were intruders and Loretta is their sister? I think that's part of it. And also I think it's because what Carrie dropped was the candy wrapper. So that was the crime of littering, which ruins their garden. But she dropped, like, a whole box of donuts, like, all over the place. But I think, like, maybe because they know that she's clumsy and, and, like, they know her. So maybe that's why they all gathered around and, like, helped her instead of, like, just the bees picking up the trash and going about their day when Carrie dropped his wrapper. But instead they, like, criminalize him for that. Yeah. Well, like, donuts Mm -hmm. aren't really littering. Like, those are biodegradable, and that's clearly an accident. Whereas dropping the wrapper, like, that's, you messed up. Yeah. And why would they have a jail but no lawyers? And if they're all super coordinated, why was there jail? For outsiders. I feel like the jail scene was so intense. Like, that freaked me out as a kid, especially when, first of all, how did Carrie get his hand on a noisemaker in the first place if it was so agitating to them? And second of all, it was just freaky to see them clay him against the wall. <laughs> Cocoon him in Tropolis or whatever she said. Yeah. No, I don't I don't even know if I found that creepy when I was younger. It was just so over the top to me and cheesy and the acting was so over the top again just exaggerated that i couldn't take it seriously yeah i don't feel like it's meant to be taken seriously i think it's just kind of ridiculous yeah i agree Mm -hmm. that's what they were going for yeah watching it as a kid it really freaked me out but watching it now it's like how did carrie let them get to the point where they had cocooned his whole body when they started (laughs) it why didn't he just like kick them or something yeah. Like, start swinging, yeah. Yeah. It just lets them, like, take him up to the wall. And how were they cocooning in Tropolis? Like, were they pulling that shit out of their ass? Or were they, like, <laughs> were they puking it up? Or, like, where was that shit coming from? I don't know. Maybe they have, like, Spider-Man-like powers and they just shoot it out of their hands or something. And if they were, like, dying of hunger and there were no flowers, how were they creating the cocoon? Valid question. Things that the writers <laughs> never considered. <laughs> right. They're like, oh, they could just magically make all this wax appear. But don't they know, like, the bees need pollen in order to make the wax? And why were the human bees, like, actually eating the flowers? Like, that was weird to me. 
Hmm. I was like, these don't eat flowers. Yeah. Do, do they? <laughs> do they? Uh, no, but maybe it was because uh, a human mouth is way too big to just get the nectar out of the, uh, whatchamacallit, the stems. Let's eat the whole thing. Yeah. They're not very smart. <laughs> the writers they- or the characters? Uh... <laughs> the, the writers definitely because yeah. the characters are playing off the writing true and why did the queen like ask molly when molly goes to like you know plead her case to the mayor why was she asking for like bacon and chicken like because i was that's like that's oh. how you show respect to a queen but they eat slather meat? her on bacon apparently <laughs> well i guess bacon is sweet and honey our chicken can be sweet because I thought she only liked sweet stuff. Yeah, this episode gave me unrealistic expectations of royalty. Because watching it as a kid, I thought like that was something normal that you did to queens. Like you were supposed to present them with weird food like bacon. That's what people would do like if they went to meet Queen Elizabeth or something. <laughs> well, I <laughs> guess you, you do like present foods and flowers and presents and gifts. But not bacon. No. <laughs> And, like, it's not, like, she's going to be like, well, where's my gift if you didn't? She was a very entitled queen in this episode. Very. <laughs> I liked yeah. her accent, though. Yeah. They're kind of, like, Irish, Canadian-y. I don't know. Do you guys speak British? Oh. I can't remember. <laughs> I just watched this episode an hour ago. I can't remember her accent. I feel yeah, like it was trying to put on a regal accent. And I think when people think of royalty, the British Queen is what usually comes to mind. So I think the actress might have been trying to play off that. Right. Yeah, like, she's like, that's just wrong. It was cute, though. I really liked that dynamic of, like, Walter and the Queen and how he was keeping her in, like, a little bubble, kind of, and keeping everyone away from her. And all the food was going to her. And then, like, all of her children were, like, slowly withering away. And they all had, like, bags under their eyes. And The queen was a fun character, but I really hated her servant. He was just a jerk. Because why would he hide that from her? It's, like, for the worst of everybody. Because he's just selfish and he liked being human. Yeah. And why did he have to wear a bodysuit at the end? When the queen just, like, grabbed a bee out of midair and, like, listened to it speak. Like, why would he need a bodysuit for the bees if he is a bee? Because he's a selfish bee. (laughs) And the other bees would sting him, yes. And I didn't get, like, okay, Carrie littered on the ground and they put him in jail. But when the group comes to town, they murdered, quote and unquote, half the colony. (laughs) And the guy still was, like maintenancing their bus i'm like wouldn't he have just they should have just put them all in jail like as soon as they got there yeah (laughs) yeah but wasn't the whole defense for ned's release like the reason why molly went and was able to get ned released from solitary confinement was because that bee vouched and said that oh he would never hurt a fly or a bee well that carrie wouldn't yeah like they didn't mean to of course but um, also, did you guys notice, like, whenever Annie is like, shut up, like, my hearing, like, whatever it is, it's not, like, a loud noise, it's buzzing. And she, like, all she did was, like, push the tape down, and then she hears the buzzing. I was like, how did that work? 
And then when she goes and finds the honey and she squirts it out of the window, did you guys notice it was like 10 feet away from the bus when he mm -hmm. <laughs> crouches down on the ground and licks the honey off the ground? It was like super far away from the bus. Yeah, I did notice that. It kind of bugged me a little bit. I'm like, why? You. But, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, how did it get that far? Nobody thinking things through. <laughs> Or I guess maybe the laws of physics do not apply. <laughs> well, like I like how Zach puts it, is that they kind of treat the audience like we're stupid. And like we were kids at that time. And, you know, like anything is believable when you're a kid. You just don't pay attention to those details. But as you get older, you start to realize like, well, that doesn't make any damn sense. You know, yeah. like they treat the audience like uneducated children. Yeah. And it worked because at the time I was an uneducated child and uh -huh. I did just enjoy the episode for what it was. But watching it now, it does not hold up. I have too many questions. It doesn't make sense. And the funness factor isn't as powerful as it used to be. Do you think that could be why Disney is like not releasing this show? It's like that it was so far fetched and like that maybe they feel like their fan base or their audience or i guess just the people that buy their merchandise wouldn't get it like they no, couldn't i think they won't release it because it's from an era before disney found its footing like all mm -hmm. of the original disney channel original series were dramas and disney no longer does drama they're into comedy right now because it doesn't fit in with their comedy shtick they're not going to acknowledge it at all what else do we have to say about this one um, well, the average lifespan uh, of a queen bee is three to four years, and the drones usually die upon mating and are expelled from the hive before the winter, and the workers may live for a few weeks in the summer and several months in certain areas with extended winters. Because I thought it was interesting that, like, oh, they want to be bees again, but of course humans have, like, such a longer lifespan. Why would they want to be bees again if they're going to die in a few weeks? But I guess Loretta uh, was kind of selfish because she's going to be a queen bee eventually. <laughs> so she gets to live a lot longer than everyone else. I don't know. Well, doesn't it go back to the idea that it's better to enjoy your life than to just live and not enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. It, it was kind of vague there at the end again. You know, I hadn't watched this in a while, so I almost thought maybe they're going for an environmental angle, like, oh, nope. the bees turned into humans to save themselves because they were all dying and bees or something. But no. I feel like that would have made a much better episode now. Yeah. Yeah. I could see this episode, if it was spun that way to be more environmental, would, would be much more relevant today. But at that time, we did have bees, but now, of course, we're realizing that all of our bees are are slowly dying and slowly becoming extinct, which is horrifying. Yeah, but watching now, I, I still don't understand why. I mean, it was her dream to become a human, the queens. I hated, I hated when she said, I had one chance to make our wish come true. And her daughter said, your wish. I was like, uh, I roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I really see the connection that Melissa made earlier between the mother-daughter relationship and Rewind too. Or it's oh, all about God. the wants of the mother instead of the wants of the daughter. Yeah. And why did all the bees become Canadian white people? <laughs> because they're Canadian bees. 
<laughs> they're Canadian bees. <laughs> like, there were no, like, mixed ethnicities <laughs> in this town at all. Like, they all became, like, blonde white people. Maybe they uh, became what they see as humans, like, in the area, wherever they were. Could be. Be? Mm -hmm. Oh, God. Could be. <laughs> <laughs> I knew this episode was just going to be a bunch of puns. Yeah. yeah. It was a fun episode overall, but definitely raised tons of questions. Who wrote this episode? I oh. uh, don't know. I can go check right now. Do that, Melissa, so we could blast that person. <laughs> uh, we can't blast them too hard because they gave us that beautiful moment where Molly... Looks for an excuse to touch Carrie and picks some of that like bee clay gunk off of his neck. Uh, that's the scene I was referring to earlier. Um, being there, written by Tom Nursell. This was their only episode, it looks like. Yeah. Well, for good reason. I mean, it was fun. The whole idea was fun. I just wish we had like an hour to explore the lore behind this episode versus the 20 minutes of showtime that we actually get, you know? Yeah. Mm. Oh, I could not do an hour. I, I agree. 20 minutes. It was just too heavy handed. There was nothing really subtle about this episode. It just, it was way over the top for me. I, and. Mm -hmm. I couldn't handle much more of that. <laughs> no, it was way too juvenile. And the writing was just deliberately like, this is how it works, don't ask us why. Yeah, yeah. very much so. Did you all look up any of the actors? I did look up Camille Sullivan, who played Loretta, because she's like the most interesting factor of the episode to me. I didn't recognize anything she's been in, but she has a huge filmography. Um, I think she played like in that R.L. Stein show. Goosebumps? Not the Goosebumps, but The Haunting Hour. Oh, yeah. And then she played in The L Word in a couple episodes. But yeah. other than that, I didn't really recognize anything else she was in. Yeah. Eric Lively was also in The L Word. Uh-huh. Uh, for at least two seasons, I think. I saw that she has most recently, um, well, more recently, had a recurring role in The Man in the High Castle, which is a show on Amazon. It's mm. pretty big now, I guess. That's good. Um, yeah. I also saw uh, the guy who was the hardware clerk. His name was Andy Thompson, and he was also in the episode Simplicity, apparently. Oh, it said he was the VP in Simplicity, so maybe he was one of the guys singing with Tad Raxel. <laughs> we'll have to look that up and like point that out in a later podcast. Like, was it him? Did mm -hmm. he play two roles? Kind of like because not many actors played two roles, but like James Gar, that actor had played two roles. So we'll have to point that out in a later podcast. What about the woman who played the queen? Like, did she do anything? Because I would think she probably would have had some more, like, notoriable roles. No, she hasn't. Wait, she hasn't really been in much since. It's so weird. She was in The Cold Squad. Okay, which Alex Johnston did in the episode. 
Yeah. And Belinda Metz was also in that same episode playing Alex Johnson's mom. She was in a TV series called Poltergeist, The Legacy. Awesome. But no, it doesn't look like she's in a lot that's notable. All right. Well, I guess we're ready for ratings, aren't we? Okay, well, this one gets a thumbs down for me. I, I don't really enjoy it. Uh, it's not too funny to me. Like I said, you know, the ending, their motivations don't make too much sense or they're left unclear for whatever reason. Perhaps just lazy writing. I'm not sure, but I don't really appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's just way too much. One of those too much to handle kind of episodes for me. <laughs> yeah. I think I would give it a six for basically all the reasons you just mentioned. There are a few uh, moments within it that I like, but otherwise it's mostly just, yeah, too much. And I'm just so indifferent to the whole episode. Well, I guess I guess I would give it like a five out of ten. I did enjoy like the queen. I think her character was the most enjoyable to me. I also like the Molly dynamic that Molly kind of had to play like mother bear in the episode and go fight on everybody's behalf. And then the Jack Alex, or I'm sorry, the Jack Annie dynamic of them like both moving Walter away from the front of the door when they're going into the greenhouse. That was cute. I like the daughter Loretta dynamic with the queen. Yeah, that's probably, like, all I enjoyed. Um, so, 5 out of 10. Yeah, I'd give it, like, a 5 or a 6 around that area, too. This is a really fun episode that I remember watching fondly as a child. And I really enjoyed it at the time. I liked the whole Jack and Annie dynamic in this episode. I still ship them a lot partially because of this episode. Mm -hmm. I love the Molly Carey subtext that we get in here. I think the queen is a really fun character and the whole cocooning Carrie and beeswax. That was something that I found really interesting as a child. But now watching it as an adult, the writing just falls totally flat. The writing is way too juvenile and it just doesn't hold up all these years later. It was great as a kid, but rewatching it as an adult, not so much. Well said. Yeah. You know, I did forget to mention, I did like Annie in this one. I think, I don't know, I liked that she caught on to the fact that something weird was going on and admitted it to herself early on, even if her theory was wrong at the beginning about it being a cult. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I feel like it yeah. would have been more interesting if she was right and it was a cult. Yeah, it probably would have been. But she did seem to know a lot about, like, bees and yeah. Aphrodite. And she seemed intelligent in this episode. Well, uh, maybe yeah. she lived in Greece in the past. I mean, uh, she's lived all over, so it's yeah. not... No, I agree about that. But the information she was providing about bees, I didn't know some of that. And... Uh, I don't know. It's it would have made sense to me if she had like done a little research at some point in the episode, gotten on the laptop. But yeah, um, yeah, she seemed very knowledgeable about things in this one. <laughs> I do miss the whole laptop factor. We do get to see the laptop in a couple later episodes. I appreciated also Ned getting to kind of 
express his teacher knowledge a little bit when they were in the shop and then he had the bees like map out his map and then he talks about the non-deterministic polynomial that was interesting i tried to look it up but i do not understand like the math or the wikipedia <laughs> explanations of that but um i was like oh well how would he know that but then again he is the teacher so of course he would know about that <laughs> potentially just had to mention ned in there somewhere because yeah. he was you know a factor in the episode as well yeah he yeah. always spent most of the episode locked up in solitary <laughs> poor ned we love you ned <laughs> Alright, so are we ready to go into feedback? Mm, yeah. We have some comments that uh, are fairly old that we kind of skipped over on our YouTube page. So we're going to go through them now because we don't have any feedback from last episode yet. Alright, the first comment comes from Allison. Is that what it says? So. Allison Sutton. Okay, and it was on our Exit 13 episode. She said, I always figured that the exit itself was cursed. Anyone who stopped there had bad luck. Because Annie took half the stone, the spirits who wanted to be back together were not going to let her leave. I guess Annie herself didn't have bad luck because of the panther, unless her talking to the guy and taking the stone was her bad luck. Instead of begging her for help, I do wish the spirits were more threatening towards her. Like with Carrie, where the van gets closer and closer to him, maybe with the others with bad luck, um, kept getting more and more dangerous. Although I don't know how you would do that with garbage spilling everywhere or pop can exploding. And Annie notices this and is more in a hurry to solve whatever is going on. This episode did creep me out when it first aired. The idea of being stuck in that loop, unable to escape, and that bus getting closer and closer to Carrie. Definitely one of the better of season three. Thank you for the feedback. I really love hearing other people's takes on the episodes and coming up with theories about which part of the episode was showing us the curse and what was the motivations behind it. I didn't really think about the fact that Annie didn't have bad luck in that episode, but I guess the Panther explanation would make sense. Yeah, agreed. I kind of honestly took her taking the stone as being her bad luck. Yeah, and also just her being trapped in the loop herself, I felt, was like a part of the bad luck as well. Yeah. This one comes from Moonlight Reel on the Talking Board episode. If you folks are looking for future shows to expand into, I don't remember which episode that was mentioned in, you might take a look at Just Add Magic on Amazon Streaming. It's about three girls who find a magic cookbook. Not quite as dark as so weird, but has a similar mix of humor and seriousness. <laughs> and the show's uh, smart and well done. And the main girl really looks like the. Maybe it's just that Kelly has the same long brown hair, but she... Reminded me so strongly, of Thea. I wonder if you'd all see the same resemblance. That sounds like a really cool recommendation. Thank you. I've yeah. never heard of it. Thanks. We'll check it out. And this next comment comes from Nasia Lucero from the episode Snapshot. Also can't wait for the anniversary of So Weird on my YouTube channel. I did a music video with my little sister for the anniversary of So Weird. 
I did send the video to your email. I hope you got it. And also I have a playlist with my favorite songs from So Weird. So if you check out my channel, you should check out that as well. Still can't wait for those cast interviews either. And maybe that idea of what you can do with the anniversary. You could have a big podcast party with all the cast members you've interviewed so far. Or see if you can get Molly Phillips to be on the podcast. That would be amazing. Uh, you mean McKenzie, eh? Um, <laughs> well, we've we've got some things that we're thinking about for the podcast for the anniversary, but uh, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Cool that you've got a YouTube channel with some so weird stuff on it. Yeah, the more so weird stuff on YouTube, the better. Thank you. Speaking of the anniversary, where uh, by the time this podcast is released, this episode. It'll be uh, less than three months until the So Weird 20th anniversary. So if you guys have any ideas for ways that the fandom can celebrate, please send them in uh, either in the comments or uh, we have a discussion going on on the ProBoard site, so-weird.proboards.com. If you go to the general So Weird discussion board, you'll see a thread called So Weird's 20th anniversary. So please give us some ideas. It could be something really simple, like something we all tweet out or uh, something more elaborate. But we'd love to hear from you. All right, do you have anything else that we would like to talk about? Well, I'm going to see Anne-Marie Montague-Cullen at the end of this month in Hollywood. I'm going to be at the Hotel Cafe on the 27th. She's playing a show for her new solo EP that's being released. And also with her band, uh, she has a band called Saucy Monkey, but one of her band members has a new band called The Sweet Things. So she'll be playing a couple of songs with them. And um, I'm really excited to go see her after 15 years of not seeing her. I did get to see her live when I was 15 and now I'm 30, so I'll get to see her again. And um, mm -hmm. she's supposed to be a guest on our podcast someday. We're working on it. Um, so hopefully I'll get to have her do a shout out to the podcast at some point. We'll see. Awesome. Yeah, I'm jealous. I, mean, <laughs> I haven't seen her perform once, so <laughs> you're uh <-huh>. lucky. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully like I could get her to do like an acoustic of In the Darkness or something. Oh, that would be so cool. All right, so do we have any other so weird news for the podcast? Didn't you guys mention, it's not so weird news, but didn't you mention that October 25th is the anniversary for the famous Jet Jackson? Yeah, I did. So that's kind of cool. I remember watching Jet Jackson back in the day of watching So Weird, and I enjoyed it. And uh, I'm kind of curious to see if there are any celebrations for the show's 20th anniversary that will kind of give us an idea of what might come for So Weird's anniversary, which could be nothing. I mean, I ex fully expect nothing from Disney. But <laughs> if there are any websites out there that actually kind of honor Jet Jackson, then maybe we'll see something for So Weird, too. Yeah, and for Lee Thompson, y'all. It's a shame he's taken too soon. Yeah, And I remember Alex Johnson, like Alex being so sad when lee thomas and young passed away she tweeted about it that he was a friend of hers and that she was you know very sad and sending sentiments to his family so i really hope that the fans of famous jet jackson do do something for this anniversary because it's very warranted you know um, especially with his passing like fans should do something for yeah. 
Yeah. Yep, I agree. So with that said, keep the faith and never give up on So Weird. This has been the conclusion of this episode of the So Weird Podcast. I'm Kat. I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. And I'm Jimmy. Thank you and have a great night or day or afternoon wherever you are. <laughs> wow.